Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're getting you ready for Eagles-Giants as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 375. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Ben Fennel, where we catch up and share our thoughts on the New York Giants and discuss what we think the Eagles are going to see this Sunday up at MetLife Stadium. After Chalk Talk, we're going to transition to Scouting Report, where we focus in on one of the impact players for this Giants defense, and that's second-year safety, Xavier. McKinney. This is a guy that was a second round pick for them a year ago. He missed most of last season with an injury, but he has established himself as a really good player in that secondary so far here in 2021. We will get into exactly why in that segment and why he's a player Eagles fans need to watch out for here in this game. Before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you head on over to our Apple podcast page, throw us a review, throw us a rating. If you've got a question about this team, we will answer it. And while you're over on Apple podcast, make sure you are subscribed to the journey to the draft podcast myself Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker, a whole rotation of guests. We are always on there talking about the top prospects in this upcoming NFL draft. So if you're starting to get ready, you're starting to think ahead to next April, now's the time. You will know all about the top players. The senior bowl announcements are coming through. We're starting to get news of underclassmen entering this class. Now is the time. Make sure you are getting prepped for next spring over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Now, before we get on with the start of the show, I caught up with Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon this week on Eagles game plan. We covered a few different things, three different plays. We broke down one, a great run defense play where you saw a lot of guys really impacting uh, the, the the run fit. I thought the Eagles did a really good job of that in this game. We covered Fletcher Cox's forced fumble, what, what went into that play, and also how number 91 impacted Darius Slay's pick six. So make sure you go uh, check that full segment out over on Eagles Game Plan. The tape study segment will also get posted on its own over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But there were a few bites that didn't make the show. I wanted to save it right here for this podcast right now. Uh, let's get to some of my bites here uh, with Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. The great thing about this is, is in traffic, as the ball's creasing through, you see, you know, if you could close up to his eyes, his eyes are deadpan on that ball. And that's why you see him stick his fist right on a ball right there and knocks it loose. So, you know, huge play in the game. And then the other thing we talk about is population to the ball. When, the, when we do force fumbles, we need more black jerseys than there are white jerseys. So you need population to the ball because I think this ball even gets kicked out gets spit out a little bit and TJ ends up right there as it spits out you see the two offensive linemen looking and TJ has his eyes down on the ball there and ends up recovering the ball but you know it's just a great play by Fletch in the run game to force that fumble and then for us to have a lot of black jerseys around it and TJ ends up falling on it but just a huge play because we know the value of the ball and the takeaway battle is is a really a winning stat so 
Um, hats off to those guys. They did a good job with that. Coach, when you talked about the ball awareness there from Fletcher Cox, it actually took me back to really early in his career. He played in that 3-4 from 2013 to 2015 and had to two-gap so often. And he was so powerful and so strong that when he's able to just kind of win that matchup one-on-one, -on -one, now it's easy for him to kind of find the football because he's just so easily able to dominate the guy across the there other side no of the line. He's, he's a tough block one-on-one, -on -one, as you saw. I mean, not just this play, but the entire game when they were blocking him one-on-one. He was really train wrecking the game. So just a really good example of good run defense is, you know, it's we always talk about it's 11 versus one. They have one ball carrier. We have 11 guys. So we don't want to just have one guy on the ball. And certain times you can't prevent that. But as much as we can, we want to have more than one hat on the ball. We call that a team defensive tackle, which is five plus on the ball. And that's an example of that. So just really good execution by the players, understanding what the play concept is what to do with each spot, what we're looking for, and uh, good execution of that call. Coach, I don't want you to get too deep into the mechanics here, but uh, also kind of a unique look here from the Saints. Obviously, they were one of the big leaders in the NFL with six offensive line sets. They've got that sixth offensive lineman out. I thought it was interesting. They had the tight end lined up inside. And they're yeah. bringing a receiver across, so a unique front. Does that change things for the defense and you know, have to go through some things mentally pre-snap? No, it doesn't change as far as our responsibility, but our guys are playing with accelerated vision right here and know that's the play coming. Mm. So that's why you see Alex punch his gap right there and go smack this tight end and Milton play the way he just played it. He stands his guy up and Kerrigan really good job by putting his hands on the proper guy there because there can be some different techniques with how guys are aligned but our guys understanding when they got in this set that this was one of the major plays that they ran out of it and um, just it's a good process by our defense and a good execution of the call. So, Coach, let's now go forward to take a look at, at Big Play Slay and what Darius has done. Three touchdowns in four weeks. Let's take a look at his pick six here in this first half, late in the half. Take us through what you see on this play. And I, I'm excited just from your experience as a defensive backs coach, just kind of isolate Darius here and tell us what you're saying. Yeah, so this is in a two-minute drill. So he's playing off right here. And, you know, this is just what he does in practice every day, Fran. And this guy is a technician. He's ultra competitive. He loves football. He loves to practice um, and and this is what he does every day so you see it show up so not surprising that he makes this play because he does it in practice and this was just really good to see and then look at it and catch it and then when he catches the ball in space or recovers a fumble in space you see in what he's doing so that's why he has the nickname that he has for himself and and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Coach, when you look at his skill set, this is a guy that whether it's press man, off man, zone, all the variety of coverages and techniques, he's a guy that can check all the boxes, and that's hard to find at the cornerback spot. It really is, and that's you know that's just a testament to him. He's a complete player. You know, you got a lot of good corners out there that really do one thing really well, and then they struggle at other things. You just said it, Fran. This guy can play off. He can hard press. He can soft press. He knows how to play cloud the right way. He knows when they get in condensed splits what he has to do with his eyes. He has really good eye discipline but with that play in particular you see the skill set of this guy is you know just understanding the situation first the receiver split all his film study has come into play he knew two by two open that was their favorite concept right there his technique is perfect and when the ball comes to him that's what we always measure our guys on when you have a chance one-on-one -on -one, do you make the play or not he makes the play so just really good there and and you see what helped them up here is 94 and 91. 
So you see him get that quarterback off the spot here. We've been rushing good all day. He's probably a little bit uncomfortable. You see the pocket start to collapse there. Fletch starts to turn the corner. And, you know, he can't really step up into this throw like he wants because Fletch and Sweaty right there. So even though that's a little a little detail that you're like, oh, well, he kind of stepped up and threw it well, that quarterback feels pressure in his face right there, probably leading to him throwing this ball a little inside, which makes this thing go. So we always talk about rushing cover. Slay should give half of that football because of his a touchdown to Sweaty and Cox. And just like the uh, the sacks go the other way, <laughs> that's they're all right. the same thing. Right. Full they're team all, football. They're all connected. They're all connected. And again, for that whole segment, make sure you check out Eagles Game Plan or check out Tape Study when it goes live on Friday across all Eagles digital channels. Now, uh, let's get into my discussion with Ben Fennell. Turn our attention towards this matchup against the New York Giants. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's get into talking about this Eagles-Giants game as I welcome in Ben Fennell. And Ben, I guess before we get into the matchup, uh, just a quick recap on what we saw from the Eagles in this performance against the New Orleans Saints. And really, uh, look, the first half was just a dominant performance on both sides of the football. I mean, the Eagles jump up 33-7 uh, early on in the third quarter. So you get a sense of just complete dominance on both sides. Obviously, the Saints come back a little bit as the Eagles got a little bit conservative on both sides of the football. But uh, overall, just a really impressive performance. And something we talked about with Greg earlier this week, but I want to kind of get your thoughts. It's something we've talked about a little bit, but just continuing to cement how this this coaching staff has really evolved from week one up through week 11. You, know, you look at the, the multiplicity of this run game on offense and then all the different pressure looks we're seeing defensively along with the, the increase in disguise coverages, uh, just really making quarterbacks guessing. Uh, I think it's just been really impressive to see how this offense and how this defense has evolved over the course of this season. Well, from a philosophical and a collective sense, Fran, I feel like this team has not only been dominating the run game, but they're dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And we walked out there every day and practice in the summer and said, that's where the strength of this team is on both sides of the trenches, our defensive front, our offensive line. And I really think that set the tone on both sides of the ball in every game over the last month. And they've been three and one, nearly beat the Chargers to go four and oh. Uh, over the last month, and I really think the inside-out play of dominating the line of scrimmage, establishing the run game, and this this game took a little bit of a different tone in the run game because we saw a little bit more of that vertical displacement. We saw some of those double teams that maybe weren't featured in that Denver game, and then defensive line with the knockbacks and playing on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. The trenches, the line of scrimmage have been dominated, and it's really great to see because, Fran, that works in November. It works in December. It works on the road. It works when you have injuries. It works under adversity. When you can dominate the line of scrimmage, you have a fighting chance every game in this league. Yeah, no question. And I, I real quickly, just talking about the multiplicity of the run game. You know, you made the prediction uh, back in July here on the show, or even as late as like late August, uh, that this was a team that's going to lead the league in rushing attempts. Last I checked, I'm pretty sure the Eagles right now are seventh. They are gaining fast on that top spot. Uh, and the way that they're tracking over this last month, uh, you, your prediction may end up uh, coming true. Now, that said, 
what you and I both love about this run game is just the, the versatility and the multiplicity, all the variety that we see, the downhill runs. We see gap schemes. We see zone schemes. We see perimeter run schemes. We see the option run game, the quarterback run game. And when the Eagles were at their best offensively uh, in the previous iteration, right, under Doug Peterson and that offensive coaching staff, we always praise the, the multiplicity of that scheme, right? And the one thing I think we're, we're seeing more here is obviously with Jalen Hurts, you have that quarterback run element that adds another set of layers to everything that you're doing. And so I love that. And it's it's been, obviously, it's a, a lot of fun to be able to watch that. And they're doing a good job of pairing up play action passes, the screen game, the RPOs. They're putting all of this stuff on the backside of a lot of these runs. So you're still dressing all that up. Uh, we're not seeing as much of like the inside, like the traps and whams that we've seen in the past. That would be the one element you're missing that, we, uh, that we've seen, you know, from, we'll say, 2016, 2017 uh, on. But the QB run element just adds a whole slew of ingredients to the pot for defensive game plans that they've got to worry about. Absolutely. And I think the most of multiplicity and the variety is for a variety of reasons, because you have personnel variety. And obviously a guy like Jordan Howard has a different skill set than Miles Sanders. So you have different skill sets based on your personnel. But the offensive line and their complete skill set for him, there's a lot of athleticism on the offensive line and there's a lot of power. And they come from the same people. I mean, Jordan Malata is an athletically powerful player. Jason Kelsey is an athletic freak that, yeah, he's pretty powerful too, just in a little bit of a different package. Lane Johnson, incredible combination of athleticism and power. I think when you have offensive linemen that can do a lot of different things, that allows your run game to do different things. In the past two weeks, I think to a T, have really accentuated the ability and the versatility that this offensive line can provide. And we kind of joked last week in Denver, man, they threw a lot of different run concepts. And Fran, there really weren't a lot of those patented double teams, the smash to stacks, the blowing guys off the ball. Just so happened, it wasn't a big zone game. There's a lot of gap scheme runs last week. Well, this week, they went back to blowing guys off the ball again. So you just love the ability to wear different hats and to adjust and ebb and flow based on how the defense allocates resources to the run. Hey, you want to stuff inside? We have no problem running to the outside. We have big guys out there. Not every team has that luxury, especially into week 11, week 12, when you have some injuries. It's really fun to see. And every time Jalen Hurts breaks the huddle, Fran, I have a weird little kind of like pit in my stomach. I don't know what they're going to throw at you. And for that's a little play on words there because they're really not throwing at you a whole lot. But in the run game sense, I don't really know where they're going to attack you on a down-to-down basis. And I study this team ad nauseum every week, and I have no idea. So good luck, defenses. I just think like in, in football, right, it's almost like if you're a, a young carpenter or a young plumber, right, you're, you're new to the profession, you, you've got your toolkit, you've got your toolbox, the, you know, that toolbox isn't going to be as full early in your career, right? And so uh, problems start, come to the service, you get, you get called on a job, and you're like, I, I guess I could probably use this tool, but I probably got to go over to uh, a hardware store and pick something up, you know, pick something and continue to fill up that toolbox. But as you continue to build experience and you get a little, you've been doing it a little bit longer time. Well, now that toolbox is full and no matter what problem you're faced with, you've got answers for it. And I think that when you look at this offense, the way that they're continuing to, to evolve, you're seeing that they've got answers to whatever problems defenses are trying to face or trying to pose towards them. So, you know, whether it's, Hey, you know, in this, in this game, we really feel like we want to take advantage on the edges or, Hey, in this game, we really feel like we can get vertical displacement inside or, Hey, you know what, uh, with all the, the backfield action, we can really attack the linebackers here in this one, uh, all the different things that you can do to prey on an opposing team's weakness, this offense, this run game, they've got answers 
answers for it. And that's one of the things that I love most when you're talking. And, and this goes to, to football in general. That's why, you know, we talk about uh, the versatility that you can have as a player, whether you're a defensive back or an offensive lineman or a wide receiver, the more that you can do, the more valuable that you can be. The same thing I think applies to uh, this run scheme. Yeah. And I think the last thing with the run scheme to kind of put the cherry on top is Jeff Stoutland. And that this isn't an offensive line coach that has a system or an offensive line coach that has a style. He is a coach through and through. And that's why you see position coaches stay from regime to regime because they don't have an agenda. It's what do you want me to coach to my guys? Oh, I'm at Alabama. I have big chance Warmack, 340 pounds, can't zone block. Yeah, we're going to run some power football. I could coach that. Oh, what do you want, Doug Peterson zone game? Yeah, let me coach that. And Nick Sirianni, new coaching staff, what do you guys want me to coach? That's why he's one of the best. He doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't have a scheme preference. And that happens from time to time. Alex Gibbs, we all know, incredible outside zone run blocking coach. That's what you're getting from his scheme. And he was one of the best in the world at it. Jeff Stalin, a little bit more versatile with his coaching ability. And I think that's why you see guys carry over from one staff to the next staff because it's I'm a really good coach. I know the techniques for whatever scheme or whatever run concept you want to implore as an offensive play caller. Jeff Statlin doesn't call the plays. He just wants to coach his guys to excel in the plays that are called. So hats off Jeff Statlin, hats off offensive line, hats off Sirianni, the whole offensive staff. No doubt. And I think when you're talking about assistant coaches and the value that they bring uh, to a coaching staff and to an organization, you know, there's a few different boxes that you're looking to check, right? It's all right. Can this position coach, can he develop talent? Okay, can he, uh, is he a schemer? Is he a game planner? Okay, that's another box to check. Uh, can he identify talent? You know, whether it's, uh, you know, pro scouting, college scouting, is he involved uh, with that part of the process? And obviously there are other, there are a lot of other things that fall under that umbrella, but I feel like you can make those as the, the three big boxes. It's hard to find an assistant coach that can check each of them, and Jeff Stoutland clearly is one of those guys that can check uh, each of those boxes. So, so valuable to what the Eagles do here and what has been for a long, long time. Let's now uh, get turn the page here to this matchup against the New York Giants. We'll start Eagles offense versus this Giants defense. And I guess we'll first start with the defensive identity. This is a sub-package defense. Uh, they play a lot of nickel. They play a lot of dime. They blitz a lot from those looks. And to me, like the versatility that they have, uh, we talked about the versatility from the Eagles offense. That, that, that is the name of the game with this defense under Patrick Grant. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of guys that kind of wear interchangeable hats, especially once you get to that back end. I know they've had some injuries here and there, but whether it was, you know, Xavier McKinney, I know Logan Ryan's been up and down. Uh, Jabril Peppers has been up and down with some injuries. But at the end of the day, they're all just kind of jack-of-all-trade bodies. And there's a lot of players like that. And there's a lot of carryover stylistically to how Bill Belichick deployed a lot of his defenses over the past yeah, 20 years. Out. And whether it was 2001 or 2020, you could just immediately think of guys like Kyle Doger, you know, who's a back-end safety linebacker on the line of scrimmage. That's what they want to do with the Giants as well. So obviously they're trying to get that right style of personnel to come in and play their style and scheme of defense. But there's a lot of guys that can play different positions and play some different techniques for them. It's just a matter of can you get into the advantageous situations on third and medium, third and long to really deploy 
a lot of that sub package athleticism. Yeah. I mean, you look at, at just the, the personnel on the back end and just going through some of the, the key players, Xavier McKinney is a guy we're going to talk about here coming up, but uh, you and I, I believe compared him to Malcolm Jenkins when he was coming out in terms of what he can do from a, a defensive standpoint, Logan Ryan has been an outside corner, a nickel corner, a safety. Julian Love was a college corner that ended up plugging where, it, where, where it was leaking last year in that secondary as a starting safety. Darnay Holmes has played inside outside. Adore Jackson has played inside outside. All right. So they, they've just got a lot of guys that can do a lot of things on the back. And then the same thing when you go up front, you know, whether it's Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence, Lorenzo Carter, they move around and do different things with. So uh, they, they have a lot of versatile pieces on this defense. Obviously, Jabril Peppers, he's on injured reserve right now, but another guy that wears a lot of hats defensively. Uh, we mentioned they play a lot of sub package. They're um, 26th in the NFL, I believe, coming into this past game uh, in percentage of snaps in base. So they play very, very high majority of sub package. Um, and it's a, it's a shell game. It's a lot of disguise. They're going to be, uh, they're a blitzing team. They're fifth in the NFL in blitzing their defensive back. So you're going to get pressure from the slot, pressure from safeties, pressure from corners. So everybody kind of involved from a pressure standpoint as well with this defense. Yeah. And I feel like it's a very light switch on light switch off team because we're either really heavy or we're light and sub and athletic yeah. because I mean, they're defensive tackle, they're interior guys. So there's a type. Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson, Leonard Williams, Danny Shelton. These are all pretty big run-plugging types that don't have a whole lot of up-the-field presence. And even going to their linebacking core, guys like Reggie Raglan and Bernardic McKinney are typically heavier off-ball linebackers. And then you get the speed out there, the O'Shane Zaminis, and obviously Aziz Ojolari has flashed from time to time. Don't forget, Ojolari, eight pressures, three sacks against the, the Panthers a few weeks ago. He can turn it on at any point, and he can ruin a game as well. So uh, Ellerson Smith's a really nice player as well from North Dakota State. They're starting to get a little more athletic and some quarterback hunters on the edge of the defense, but it's very much a, hey, we're plugging and stopping the run and beefing up. Oh, we did our job. Let the let the troops come in here and go hunt on third down, and it's very much a did we do our job on early down okay let's get off the field and go let the yep. sub package guys get in there very much a kind of a black white vanilla chocolate uh, type of defensive approach yeah i mean and that's the way you know patrick graham coming from uh the uh, from the bill belichick school right i look at the way the patriots build their defense we talk about the versatility and having that you know guys that can do a lot of different things but they also have those specialty players in there, like a Lorenzo Carter. Yeah. Like he's a pure high side, like, you know, rush backer, Sam backer. People thought the same thing about Aziz Ojolari, who's been really productive for them uh, this year, that kind of specialty player. Right. And the Patriots, they have thrived on having some of those specialty players. I mean, Danny Shelton was up there in new England at, at certain points in his career. There are other guys uh, that are playing on that defense that have been up in new England. So you're, you're, and it's funny because it's, it's just like you're saying uh, you have both sides of the spectrum where, Hey, you have a ver really versatile player that can do a lot of things and be a three down player for you no matter what look you present this guy can do something or you have a really specialty player that maybe one game this guy plays two snaps but next week he might play 23 snaps and be a, a, a big part of what your defensive game plan is depending on how the offense wants to play hey they're going to play a lot of heavy personnel Danny Shelton he's going to play a lot of reps for us inside as a nose tackle next to Austin Johnson or next to Dexter Lawrence but next week we might play the the Chiefs and they're going to throw the ball over the yard and spread us out uh, we, we might not see too much of Danny Shelton here in this game, right? So you've got, and that's how they kind of operate. It's a, it's a really interesting scheme. It is. They do a lot of good things on that side of the ball. And last note, personnel-wise, one of our draft favorites last class, Aaron Robinson, their yep. third-round pick at UCF, the Alabama transfer, kind of a nickel safety. Season high, 22 snaps last night, playing a lot in the slot there. Had only played in two games previous. 
So he's starting to get his feet wet, starting to get out on the field a little bit more. So if you see number 33 in the slot, wondering who that is, so is everybody else. He's a rookie, third-round pick, whole lot of ability. So keep an eye on the slot out there. Might be Logan Ryan, might be Aaron Robinson. They got some talent on the back end. Good call. Uh, one last thing I wanted to make sure we hit on it. Watching a lot of their blitzes uh, over the course of the season. Well, I was trying to look for a theme for the, the breakdown segment for Greg Cosell here on the show this week. And one thing that really stood out to me was that, hey, when they're in their nickel, which they're in their nickel more than anything, uh, especially in early downs, uh, a lot of those blitzes were um, – Zone pressures. So they, they might only be a four-man rush, but they're sending somebody from the second level and they're going to exchange out and they're playing a lot of disguised cover two behind that. Or if it's dime on third down, it's a lot of man pressure. And so you have lots of different kinds of blitzes and lots of disguised looks. We've talked about a lot about, uh, you know, those Vic Fangio style defenses where they're starting too high and then they have the opportunity to roll one high. The, the, uh, the Giants, they're the opposite. They do a lot of starting one high and rolling two high. So, again, just kind of getting into changing the picture pre-snap to post-snap for the quarterback, and that will be a big test here for Jalen Hurts in this one. Yeah, particularly, and like we always talk about, you do your job on first and second and down. You put yourself in, into an advantageous situation on third down. That works offensively, too. You run the ball. You stay on schedule down and distance. You avoid the third and mediums, third and longs. Typically, that avoids the ability of defenses to send the dogs on you and for them to attack and for them to have that Rolodex pressure and try to confuse you. So you do your jobs on early downs, makes those thirds and twos much easier to pick up than the third and tens and nines out there. So uh, really important to stay on schedule. Yeah, and they, just going over now to the other side of this matchup, when you talk about Eagles defense versus Giants offense, uh, honestly, this was the side of the ball that was the toughest to figure out exactly what we were going to hit on from a Giants standpoint because, look, this is this unit. When you look at them over the course of this season, Saquon Barkley has missed a lot of time. Kenny Galladay has been missed a lot of time. Sterling Shepard in and out of the lineup. Kadarius Toney in and out of the lineup, right? They Dante Pettis is making plays, then he's hurt. John Ross in and out of the lineup, right? So they're just they're constantly cycling guys. Andrew Thomas at left tackle. He's on injury reserve and he comes back and he's catching touchdowns on Monday night football against the Bucks. So you've got all these guys that have been in and out of the lineup. What is the identity? Who do they want to focus, be the focal point? And, and so coming into this game uh, against Tampa Bay, I was interested to see what that plan of attack would be. Uh, I think when you look at them over the past couple of years with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, Joe judge as the head coach, it is quick game focus, heavy play action, l- big reliance on the run game. Even after Barkley went down last year, they still leaned on, Wayne Gallman and Devontae Freeman this year, uh, Devontae Booker, right? So they still want to be able to run the football. My gut says in this one, uh, I think Joe Judge is going to kind of lay the draw the line for his defense and for his offense and say, we are not going to be out physical by the Eagles when they come in here. Uh, That would be my guess, just based on what we know about Joe Judge, right? From from his public persona. So uh, I think when you look at uh, this game, they're going to want to run the football. They're going to try, try to try and control the clock. You're going to see play action and quick game and try and make sure that uh, they don't turn the ball over. I think that's going to be a big key for them on that side of the ball in this matchup. Yeah, and that was my takeaway, trying to like really absorb the game last night and learn who this 2021 Giants team, they were going to be different this year. They spent some money in free agency. You know, John Ross, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph. You spent a first-round pick on Kadarius Toney. You're trying to add some different parts. But they're different in other areas, too. You have Will Hernandez moving from left to right side. You know, Nate Solder going from left tackle to right tackle. They hired, they they signed a new center in Billy Price. I think they traded for very late yep. in training camp. There's a lot of moving parts on this team. Matt Skura, too. They traded for him late in training camp. No two, two new starters. Bang, bang, right in August. Like, and, and that just tells me, slow down. 
you need some continuity, you need stability, but they were going into the season kind of all over the place. And now you have some injuries and guys are up and down on a week to week basis. They lack stability right now. So once they start to get healthy and, you know, now that Kadarius Tony is an active participant every week, he clearly was part of the game plan last night as he should be for his obviously versatile and electric skill set. Find as many ways as you can to get the ball to 89 and every offensive coordinator should have that. Mike Holmgren had his throw to 84 section of the playbook for Sterling Sharp. These plays are designed for our best player. And you know, they have a couple designed for Kadarius Tony to make sure it goes to 89 at all costs. And it seemed like that's going to be a heavy part of the game plan moving forward. Um, I hope they can get healthy. I just hate seeing the young quarterbacks like Daniel Jones being victims of instability and lacking kind of continuity in the huddle, especially at the center spot, especially in the offensive line, especially at running back. A lot of changing parts of that Giants team. Real quick with Kadarius Toney, he was their most targeted pass catcher the other night. Uh, I want to get, could you paint the picture for us in terms of the the usage and how they tried to get him the football? I know they've they've done a lot of different things from him, but again, with all the pieces they've been missing over the course of the season, they've had to use him in lots of different ways. But just in this game with uh, a lot of their horses, how was he used? Well, in order to go forward, let me go back just for a second. Remember, this kid was a high school quarterback. His early three years at Florida, they didn't know how to use him. He literally only came on the field for, like, gadget plays. He'd be a running back one week. Next week, he was only doing double passes. Finally, last year at Florida, they moved him to the slot, and he became a first-round pick. But that just speaks to his kind of -of jack-of-all-trade skill set. You can do a lot with him. He really is a three-level receiver in that he could win with yak, he could win with route running, and he can win over the top. And you saw that last night. You try to get him the ball in his hands quickly on some shallow crosses and horizontal pass game. He can win in the route like he did against Antoine, fin- Antoine Winfield with him on his back. I didn't see too many shot plays to him, but you know they have well, him in the offense. Yep. And then he lined up at Wildcat one play, which is more than okay with just giving him the ball and saying go. But hold on a second. It was a Wildcat pass down the field. He overthrew the guy, but this kid can throw the ball. So you can do a lot of different things with Kadarius Tony. Don't get too excited and try to have him wear all these different hats. Find something that works. Find ways that you can be productive as well. But he is a guy, as we had mentioned, Saquon Barkley's and Galladay's. They may not be an efficient, productive team right now, but any one of those guys can take something small and go 60, 70, 80 yards like we've seen in the past with Saquon Barkley. So don't sleep on these guys. They have some playmakers despite that uh, inconsistency with availability. You mentioned that wildcat throw from uh, from Kadarius Tony. I met, I alluded to the Andrew Thomas touchdown on tackle eligible play. Right. Uh, so it's it's interesting. That both, yeah, but that's what's interesting though is that as I was going through my notes on this game before last night's game, before Monday night's uh, the loss to the Bucks, uh, just kind of going through what I wrote about the Giants last year after you and I studied them on film they were doing a lot of different things from a, a trick play standpoint. It was like one or two a game. And I think that uh, that's something that has carried over uh, certainly to this year. Look, this is a three win team, right? They're dying for a win. This would be a huge win for them at home. Um, I would expect them to, to throw a couple of those kinds of plays at the Eagles in this game. So just something to watch out for here against the Giants. Uh, before we wrap this up, I know you pulled a lot of numbers, a lot of stats. Obviously, you do a great job uh, giving me some numbers, whether it's for Eagles game plan or for this podcast. Is there one number, one metric that most stands out to you going into this game? Well, I teased the stat out on Twitter earlier just about our run rate over the past month, particularly on first down, running the ball nearly 70% of the time, best in the NFL 
fell over the last month. Remember, 3-1 record, nearly beat the Chargers. Should have been 4-0. It would have been great. But the first seven games, 30th in the NFL on early down runnings as first down. But I also want to give some credit to Jalen Hurts, particularly third down passing which over the last four games, 10 of 16. So not a high volume on third down, which is good. You're getting into manageable situations. And a lot of times, Fran, not even seeing third down with the way they're running the ball so well. But 10 of 16 passing for 145 yards, eight first downs with his arms, another four first downs with his legs on third down. So he's a guy, obviously, like we saw last week, hey, man coverage, suddenly coverage is displaced, whole side of the field open. Sure, I'll get into a foot race with DeMario Davis to the edge. So he's a guy that can win with his arm and his leg on third down. And the results have shown it over 55% third down conversions over the last four games. Best in the NFL. Yep. Win on first down, Fran. Suddenly third down becomes a little bit easier to pick up. So you love the full balance of the offensive approach here. No question. And credit to the, the scheme, the philosophy, also the players, obviously, uh, for what they've done to, to get to that point. Because winning on third down, a huge, huge part to offensive and defensive success. And defensively, they've been really good on third down as well over the course of that span. Uh, let's real quickly just hit on some matchups uh, that matter. For me, um, you know, I talked about how I really just have this feeling in my gut that uh, that Joe Judge wants gonna, is going to want to establish the run and win the run battle, win the trench battle on both sides. This is a team that wants to run the football. Saquon Barkley made his return from injury reserve this past week against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Look, the Eagles have to continue to fit the run well. Uh, I think they've done some nice things over these last few weeks in terms of uh, playing aggressive downhill, getting off blocks. They need more of that here against Barkley. He is, a, as you've called him, he is a run-to-daylight runner. He's looking for, for space. He's looking for green grass. So shut that door. Don't, don't allow that to happen. Keep him contained. Bodies to the football. Get him to the ground. Uh, he's got that ability to make people miss just because of how explosive and powerful that, uh, that he is. He's not a wiggle shaky in the whole back, but he's a guy that can run right through you. You have to make sure you get him to the ground. Contain him. That will go a long way towards victory in this one. And my matchup to watch is going to be tackling Tony. You got to make mm. sure you wrangle Kadarius Tony and in some unconventional ways. He may take an end around and reverse field. He's a guy you can't quit on. He's electric. They're going to give him yak opportunities. And Fran, we're talking a lot over the last month. Saints, Lions, Broncos, Chargers. We haven't seen a whole lot of types like this. And just quickly kind of go through the Saints receiving core. Not a whole lot of yak threats out there. The Chargers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, really not their style. Detroit's got some issues at receivers right now. Really haven't seen a player like Kadarius Toney in quite a while. So I really think you got to be on your P's and Q's with tackling, leveraging tackle, leverage to your tackling help, and making sure this guy gets on the ground. It's funny you you said that because as you started talking about it, as soon as you mentioned tackle Tony, the one note that I've got about him is that uh, he is kind of like Tyreek Hill, and the Eagles saw Tyreek Hill earlier in this year. Uh, he is like Tyreek in that Tyreek Hill is just as explosive laterally as he is linearly, right? So straight line, super explosive, but also those lateral cuts. He is able to make those cuts at top speed. That's the same thing with Kadarius Tony. Uh, the guy, the way that he gets in and out is so fast and so explosive, so fluid. He doesn't have that same top end gear that Tyree Kill has vertically, but he is just as fast laterally as he is explosively. And so that's just something uh, that they've got to be aware of. Here. Big horizontal pass game last night against Tampa. That was one of my major takeaways. And yeah. Trayvon Diggs interception every game this season, shutting the world on fire. Yeah, he couldn't hang with Tony. Tony carved him up a few times running some wicked routes. So he can get himself open. He can make you look stupid after the catch. 
Kadarius Tony tackle 89 this week. Watch out for that play uh, and Eagles game plan this week as well. Uh, ben, let's uh, wrap this up by getting into our scouting report. We're going to talk here about giant safety, Xavier McKinney. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Ben, let's uh, let's talk through McKinney. Uh, this is a really interesting player, a guy you and I both liked coming out of Alabama. I mentioned it earlier. You and I, I believe, I'm pretty sure you have that in your notes as well, uh, compared him to Malcolm Jenkins and his usage. Now, Malcolm, mm-hmm. he was a, a top 15, top 20 pick as a corner and made that move to safety late. So this was more of a uh, comparing McKinney to what Malcolm Jenkins became in his career. Um, but he has made a lot of really impressive plays in coverage. He's a physical player. He's instinctive. This is a really good player in this defense. Yeah, I just thought he was that perfect style of 2020 defensive back, which he came out in that 2020 class, and that he could play on the back end. He could play near the line of scrimmage. He could play in the box as kind of a second-level player. He could defend the slot if you need. That big safety role where his size isn't a liability but can wear a lot of different hats in both the run and the pass game, I just thought he was perfect for the NFL today. He played that Ronnie Harrison, Eddie Jackson kind of role in Nick Saban's defense, that mold of athletic safety equal time as a slot player, a free safety, a box linebacker, even play some dime linebacker in sub where he's a true uh, off-ball will linebacker. He's a really good tackler as a free safety. Slot coverage is what blew blew me away because he could defend big tight ends like he did Grant Calcaterra in one of those playoff games. He could defend slots as he had battles with Hunter Renfro so many times in those Clemson national championship games, but he was a good blitzer with closing speed. He triggers really well, can finish in the alley, good on perimeter screen action with those long arms and kind of wrangling ball carriers in his breakdown style. He's a guy that always came to balance and would snap tackle on your legs and then roll. Excellent tackling technique. A lot of the questions with him, is he an exceptional athlete, which I don't know if he is. You know, he's a guy that ran in the four sixes and has good size. You can only be so many Derwin James, Sean Taylor types out there to be big and explosively fast. So he was more than athletic enough, but not over the top, you know, wow, holy crap speed. Um, he's also not really the enforcer type. He's not the kind that's going to knock your head off over the middle. He's very technically sound. He's where he should be. He's a efficient player, but he's not like that tone setting safety, which is okay. But I'm just kind of categorizing what type of player he is. And then occasionally had some eye violations where he'd want to peek inside at quarterbacks instead of reading his route. It happened at Alabama from time to time. You know, you get in the fourth quarters, you're trying to, you know, maybe beat a pass or two here and there uh, in some blowout games. But really good player. And Malcolm Jenkins, I had no problem with that type of comparison, considering at that time in 2020, had just got done playing years of good football for Jim Schwartz and uh, putting a Super Bowl uh, in our trophy case here. Uh, so when I was thinking of reading back through my notes and even just listening to you just now, uh, talk about Xavier McKinney, it kind of brings me to a conversation that I had earlier this week over on the journey to the draft podcast, where I caught up with Eagles director of player personnel, Brandon Brown. And we talked about what he values most in projecting safeties from college to the NFL. And we kind of talked through it. And, uh, I thought it was really notable that the first two things he brought up were 
all of the mental traits uh, in turn that go along with it, the, the mental weight that is placed on that position and how taxing it is. And then the second thing was the versatility. And one of the big things we just talked about with Xavier McKinney, when he was coming out of Alabama, he checked all the intangible boxes. You knew what you were getting with Xavier McKinney from a mental standpoint. He handled so many different things for Nick Saban in that defense, one of the more complicated defenses in college football. So, you know, he had that in, in his, uh, in his bag, but in the, and the versatility on top of that, right? I mean, he played linebacker. He played in the slot. He played from depth, single high, two high. Uh, didn't matter. He did a lot of different things. And we're seeing that now, all right? So uh, I think uh, just kind of us talking about Xavier McKinney, I thought it was interesting just hearing uh, – just kind of hearing Brandon Brown talk about that. It really took me back to that conversation. You go check that out every single week. I've got an Eagle, a member of the Eagles front office and scouting staff on the, on the journey to the draft podcast. We have those conversations every single week. And I thought it was really topical with us talking about McKinney this week. Well, and just give me a quick little uh, snapshot on how you viewed that safety class, because there was a lot of conversation around guys like Isaiah Simmons, Jeremy Chin, Obviously, uh, we had mentioned earlier uh, Kyle Duggar, uh, the popular Lenore Ryan going to the Patriots. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that 2020 safety class. Yeah, it was a it was a really interesting group overall. As, I, as I'm waiting for my notes to uh, open back up, it, when I think when you look at that class, uh, you know, obviously it was kind of a unique end to the, the pre-draft cycle, right? Because that was right when uh, when COVID-19 hit. But I think when you look at that group, uh, there was a little bit of everything. And that's what's been so interesting about the safety position in general is that as defenses have evolved and we're seeing the positionless players and uh, how guys are used all over the place, the beauty is going to be a little bit in the eye of the beholder. And, I, and I, uh, Isaiah Simmons was one of those guys. Uh, you know, you talk about Kyle Duggar, uh, Jeremy Chin. They were all kind of in that group of Isaiah linebackers and the safety is he a big nickel i had simmons with the safety group and to me i looked at him and grant delpit who ended up going in the second round he had the the, the what was it, a broken leg uh late in that process for uh for lsu i had him uh and simmons in that same tier and xavier mckinney just beneath that with antoine winfield and duggar so feel pretty good about that that top five that's five mm. pretty good players right there, yeah. that's a, that's, a have, good, that's a pretty good group uh, and we have Kayvon wallace here in our locker room yep. antoine winfield great player how about legerius sneed Played yeah. corner as kind of or played safety and kind of converted to corner with the Kansas City Chiefs. Julian really Blackman in, stepped in as a day one starter and became a no good question. Player. Grant Delpit, I don't think played much as a rookie, but he's on the field now for the Browns. Yeah. A lot Got of it, different yeah. body types here. Brandon Jones, I think, plays Terrell in there. Uh, Brandon Jones, uh, is he down in Miami? I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah, Brandon Jones is starting. Uh, Terrell Burgess is starting for the Rams. Um, there, there was another name I just came across. Um, I mean, Miles Bryant doing good things for the Patriots as well uh, as a role player there in that secondary. This was a it was a really good safety class. Um, Uh, Jordan Jordan Fuller. I mean, yeah. you got mentioned Jordan Fuller, a day one starter for the day Rams there yep. last Olo year. Oloy Gilman yeah. uh, is, a, is a big nickel player for the Chargers when he's Julian been Blackman, yeah. Wow, yeah. great great group here. Yeah, it's a really impressive group of safeties. We'll um, see if Ashton Davis can get himself onto the field there. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, it's a a pretty good group. And Xavier McKinney, uh, like I had him at number three. Wouldn't have uh, batted an eye at anybody who had him at number two, number two, even number one. If you had if you had Simmons at linebacker, uh, you know, I would say like, oh yeah, like I, I, if you had McKinney over Delpit, uh, I wasn't going to bat an eye at that. Uh, I have a monster report on Simmons. Obviously, his crazy conversation and usage and stuff. But right under him, I have Xavier McKinney. Yeah. So grade wise, that's how they stacked out. I don't know if I wanted Simmons in the safety group here, but as far as grades and how my seat sheet is sorted. Yeah. Simmons, number two safety in that group in a very impressive safety class. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, when you talk about Delpit, he was a different kind of player, right? I mean, he was uh, more of the post play from depth, 
uh, more of the finesse type where he had a lot of missed tackles where McKinney, uh, you know, he wasn't the enforcer, like you mentioned, but definitely more of that versatile. He can play close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can offer value as a blitzer and against the run, playing in traffic, all those things. So, uh, no, really, really good group uh, of safeties. Always a fun discussion. Ben, uh, we will talk more about some safeties uh, this week on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We'll be back with you next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Wanted to give a shout out to everybody that has done that lately. All of your questions, we are answering them here. So, if you've got a question... You can get right up to the top of the queue. You'll appear in the next episode right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, whether it's about this team, the X's and O's about it, the NFC East, the playoff race, everything about it. Make sure you go on. Leave us that question in the comment box over on Apple Podcasts. You throw us a review, and we will answer it right here on an upcoming episode. No faux focus this week. The Eagles play the Giants here in a couple weeks. The Giants media contingent, they're coming off a short week. Obviously, there's already a holiday, so we're skipping faux focus this week, but still have a little bit more analysis for you. As always, we catch up with our guys, uh, our Eagles game plan crew, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, John Clark, Greg Cosell. Some bites that did not make that show this week, I saved it for you right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Here's some of the stuff from the cutting room floor this week on Eagles Game Plan. Yeah, when you when you look at the run game scheme, when you look at the development of some of these younger players, I think to the coach. You know, he's the master. Sure. Jeff Stoutland, best offensive line coach in football. You know, we as an organization have been very fortunate to have the offensive line coaches that we've had here, from Juan Castillo to the great Howard Mudd to now the one of the best to ever do it, and Jeff Stoutland. Just the development of these young players, how well they're playing right now. Mike talked about the run, the running schemes yep. that are being used that are not just beneficial to the running backs, but the quarterback has been implemented in the run game as well. Just a fantastic job job on Jeff Stalin and those players. But let's keep one thing in mind. As we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts have become an offense that is very difficult to defend and its foundation is the run game. So we will see how the Giants choose to match up to the Eagles. Even when the Eagles line up in 11 personnel, which they seem to be doing more of because you have to deal with Jalen Hurts as an athlete and a runner. So it's very possible that the Giants, even when the Eagles do decide to play with two tight ends, you could well see the Giants play with five defensive backs. That's the chess match that's involved in this game. But when you start getting into long yardage situations, we've seen over the course of this season what the Giants do. A lot of zone pressure from nickel, a lot of man pressure from dime. That's something that's not likely to change with a short week for this game. All right, we saw some of the things that the Giants defense is going to bring to the Eagles in this game. Like Reese, what else are you seeing from the Giants D? A lot of versatility over there. You know, Patrick Graham comes from that school of Bill Belichick where he'll play guys out of a position and, you know, this guy will be playing corner one minute and the next thing he's playing safety. You're going to see a lot of that with this Giants defense. They like to use a lot of the sub packages, right? So, you know, what you may get at the pre-snap also can change at the snap of the ball. And so they like to be versatile over there and they like to bring pressure from different guys as well. So the Eagles as an offense will certainly need to be 
alert to who's out there on the field, but at the same time, understand that sometimes what you think you may gonna, you're going to get may not be what happens at the snap of the ball. John, Ike is talking about positionless players because that's what they like over there. They're going to play a guy, and he'll be down in the box like a linebacker. He'll be a safety. He might be in the slot on a slot defender or a slot receiver. They move people around, and you really have to be on your cues. You have to understand, post-snap, you're going to see some things that you're not expecting to see. And as Bill Belichick always does, and as I said, it's a Bill Belichick disciple, you're going to see some things that you're not expecting. So it's going to be up to Jason Kelsey. It's going to be up to Jalen Hurts to make sure that they communicate with everybody and everybody's in their right place. And the Eagles have done a great job of staying on the field lately. Best third down team in the NFL over the last month, completing more than 55% of their third downs. When Jalen Hurts can also run for those first downs on third downs, how demoralizing is that to a defense? That's a big value for this offense. This is a football team, the Eagles, that can run the ball on third downs. You don't see many teams run the ball on third and six or situations like that, but the Eagles are comfortable that they can do that because of the versatility, because of the guy that they have at quarterback who can certainly run the football. And talking to Nick Sirianni last week, he talked about how he holds the backside. When he's running a play, play side, it really holds that backside in. And so that really gives you more field to work with. As a defender, when you have to defend that, no, that's a possibility. How does that change the way you defend? Well, it just makes it difficult because now you have to incorporate the quarterback as a part of the run game. And most defenses aren't necessarily equipped to do that. That's what happened to New Orleans last week. You couldn't account for Jalen Hurts in the running game. And when you're winning on first and second down like the Eagles have started to do over the last month, you put yourself in a situation on third down where you can run yeah. or throw the ball. It just so happens for the Eagles over the last three to four weeks, these third down situations have been have been advantageous for them and Jalen has been able to be a threat throwing the ball or running the football. Now the one thing about the Giants through much of this season is they have not had all their receivers together to be able to play at the same time. That's happened very, very infrequently. It could well happen this Sunday against the Eagles. And that makes it a tough matchup for the Eagles secondary. But again, Could be a different Giants offense, could be the same Giants offense, we don't know. But one thing we know for sure is that Kadarius Toney is an extremely dangerous weapon, and he's a player that the Eagles must be aware of every time he's on the field. A guy like Darius Slayton, you have to be concerned about. Galladay, a guy that they picked up in the offseason. Evan Ingram, they've got some talent when they're not running the football. They can pass the ball. You also have to be aware of the gadget plays against this football team because they have a lot of those plays in their playbook and they want to catch you off guard and hit you with some of those gadget plays somewhere along the way. And you better believe this is a team that's severely wounded. Yes. They, they're looking for a win. They're three and seven or three and eight right now, whatever they're I think it's three and seven. And so, like Q just brought up, you can expect them to pull out all the stops to try to win this game. Gadget plays, quarterback, halfback throws, all those things, be on alert for them. But we've seen this year, you can get pressure on that Giants defensive line. It is especially the interior of that line that you can attack. Yeah, and if you watch the Monday night game, when you start to get pressure on them, you start to get hits on them, good things happen for your defense. You see the turnovers that that were created because early in that football game, Tampa Bay got hits on him, and it affects the quarterback throughout the game when you get those early hits on him. 
And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels. Or if you live here in the Philadelphia area, make sure you tune in Sunday, 10 a.m. on NBC10. You can always check out Eagles Game Plan every single week. So uh, great stuff from the entire Eagles Game Plan crew, obviously from Ben Fennell as well. We'll be back next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Again, quick shout-out. Make sure you go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. We're talking about all the top prospects each and every week over on that show twice weekly. We're talking about the top prospects around the country every single week, twice weekly on that show. And you can make and appreciate everybody that promotes that show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. Happy Thanksgiving. We will talk to you next week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.